Hey everybody, this is AJ and uh, this is the Unnecessary Podcast. We're back. It's a little John Schofield for you. <clears throat> little cool jazz to start things off. I remember a great John Schofield, Medeski, Martin and Wood concert that I went to in New York City at, oh man, I don't remember what the club was. I'm going to have to find that out, but it was kind of a cool underground venue um, in New York City, kind of a real cool, chill crowd, and um, just great overall music, a classic kind of Manhattan, New York evening. And uh, we're calling Lee, as usual. We are? Oh, hey, buddy. Yeah, we're on. Hey, bud. <laughs> hey, man. Sorry, I forgot to tell you I was calling you, but I just decided to call you. Oh. It's okay. I was here. I'm ready. It's been a while. Cool. I, we were just uh, introing with a little John Schofield, and I was thinking about a really cool concert I went to uh, of John Schofield's in Manhattan. Have you ever been to a concert in New York City? I actually went to see Umphreys at the Best Buy Theater, um, I think in 2012 on my birthday, and it was their 14th or 13th or 14th year anniversary show, um, so that was pretty cool. I think I remember when you went to that. I think I had just moved to D.C. and could not get back up there. Um, what, when, when you got to the city, did you just come in for a night? Did you stay overnight? What were the circumstances around that? Did you go with anybody? Uh, yeah, I actually hadn't been to New York in probably 10 years uh, since I was a kid. Yeah. So I didn't really remember it too well. Um, but as you know, that's my theater. It's like right in Times Square. So... We drive in, it's me and Anthony, the other guy, my dad, um, and we drive in, and it was just, it blew my mind because I hadn't been there in so long. So we drove directly into Times Square and just seeing all the buildings and lights and the billboards. It was freaking crazy. Like, it felt like an alien coming to Earth and being <laughs> like, whoa, this is yeah. shit, man. I'm sorry, I may have missed that. Who did you come in with for this Unfree show? Uh, it was uh, Anthony, the other guy, my dad. Oh, right, right, right. Very cool. And then before then, 10 years prior, you had come in with your dad, you said, or your whole family? Uh, yeah, this is my, I think my parents. I don't, I don't really remember. Gotcha. It was so long ago. It was, yeah, when I was like, it was 10 years before 2012, so I was like 16. Right. Okay, so when you go in for the Umphreys McGee concert in 2012 to New York, um, did you go, did you come in that night? Um, with Anthony, and, and did you guys get dinner anywhere, and uh, kind of how did the night play out? Did you have to find parking? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we we didn't, we just, we came in, saw a concert, and then left. It was, we just kind of, just kind of came in real fast. Um, probably like an hour before I got there, stood in line. It was real cold out, it was January. Um, but I'll never forget, at the end of the show, it was a packed house, it was sold out. I think there's like what is the whole, like, 3,000 people or something like that at the Best Buy Theater? Um, so after the show, um, Chris Myers, the drummer, jumps down from the stage, and he's just, like, signing autographs and talking to people. And I think he's one of the greatest drummers in the world. He's, he's definitely one of my favorite musicians. I've been following Humphreys since you introduced me to them, uh, probably in, like, 2006 or 2007. Mm. Uh, so they've been blowing my mind since then. Yeah. So this is now 2012. And he hops off the stage, and Anthony's like, come on, let's go up and, and talk to him. So I'm like, uh, all right. So we go up to him, and I probably get 15 feet from him, and it's like I hit this brick wall, and I just froze. 
I just froze and could not move or speak. And Anthony went up to him and like shook his hand, and he didn't even really say much. Right. Anthony was just like, "Hey, here's our business card," because <laughs> that was all he could think of. <laughs> so he hands him a time lapse business card, and, this, and literally Chris Myers takes the card, looks at him, and goes, "Thanks, man." Like I just said, <laughs> like you give me your business card. Yeah, I was like, just like, just like totally thought Anthony was a huge douchebag. I'm standing there, 15 feet from him, just frozen in time, looking like a huge idiot. And uh, then he, and then he jumped back up on the stage and went back. And I'll never forget him. I was just frozen. I could not move. I couldn't speak. My brain turned off, and I just stood there and stared at him. Oh, oh no! Oh, yeah. yeah. So that was uh, that's not a good way to make a good first impression <laughs> on one of your heroes. No, I should say not. Wow, that's so fucking funny. I gotta say, you guys are super nerds. Like only only real music nerds drive. How long was the drive from where you guys live? Uh, so that was 2012. So we were living down in, uh, in Philly. Mm-hmm. So from Philly to New York. Maybe a few hours. Right, so at least two hours. Uh, and you don't, like, most normal people are like, yeah, we'll get some dinner, like, we'll go to a diner or something, like, we'll, we'll you know, p- go to a bar. Like, some people make a night out of it. I love how you guys are just music nerds. Like, nah, dude, we're going up for the show. And after I fucking freeze oh, in front of Chris Myers, then we'll leave. Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. We would have totally made a night out of it if we had any money. But there was no right. money to be had anywhere. So we couldn't no. afford to do anything but buy the gas, drive right. in, pay for parking, uh, go to the concert, and then leave. No, at I... the end of the show, at the, at the end of the show, actually, Anthony had put all of our music up to that point on a little SD memory card. So at the end of the show, he wanted to give it to Brendan, uh, the lead singer and uh, guitar player, rhythm guitar player. So he wrapped it up <laughs> in a business card, and at the end of the show, everyone was cheering, and he just, you know, and he turns so like waving his hands, and Brendan looks directly at him, and he takes the business card, and most of the two throws it probably 30, 40 feet up onto the stage, Brendan catches it, puts it in his pocket, and then walks backstage. Wow. If he ever listened to it, looked at it, I, I, I'll never know, but maybe one day I'll meet him, and it'll be, oh, you're, you're time last time, I listen to your music, but probably not. Hey, you never know. Um, well, here's here's yeah, the you thing. Never know. <clears throat> yeah, um, a lot of ba- a lot of musicians listen to music that's a lot different than the music they make. You know, um, oh, of course, yeah. your music might be kind of similar, <laughs> which I you know is a good thing. It's a compliment. Yeah. But um, yeah, for all yeah. we know, they it's listen. Funny. I don't really listen. I, yeah. I don't. I actually don't listen to too much music at this point in my life. It's, it's either me listening to recordings of myself, practicing, trying to pick out good parts that I want to like delve more into, right. or it's just me at the gym listening to like Tool. Yeah, right. And that's honestly pretty much it. No, I'm the same way. I used to be. It's so funny. Like in high school, I was in middle school and high school. I was the music guy. I was music is not music is life, but like music is so important to me, and it was more important to me than others. And the amount of listening I did was very high, um, right? Like, remember you just buy CDs and just fucking listen to them? And then live albums oh, and, yeah. like, BitTorrent. Remember, oh, like, yeah. how we were like, no, this version of Bridgeless. <laughs> You'd be like, no, this version of, of fucking Second Oh, song. yeah. 
Um, that that's not me anymore, my friend. I'm like you. I do it while I'm working out. It's just funny how things change. Yeah, I also feel like uh, like I remember one time we talked about movies and how collectively we've we've heard all the stories. Like uh, we've heard so many more stories now as a society and as a as a species that we have to start doing remakes because we're running out of ideas. And it's kind of, I kind of feel like it's the same with music. Like I don't know how much more there is to discover. Like right now there's like electronic music and all that stuff. But all that kind of falls a little flat for me because I, I, I make electronic music and I've delved into it and I know I, I know my way around it pretty well and it just doesn't get to that same place in my soul that real instrument based music gets to. Um, but I just I don't know if there's any more genres that we haven't gone into and experimented with. And I mean, I'm, of course, I'm a musician. I'm always writing new music and doing new things. But I feel like there isn't really anything new to be done musically that hasn't at least been touched upon. Like, nobody's going to come out like Led Zeppelin did in 68 and just blow everybody away with this new style of music. I feel like we've done it all. Right. Uh, I mean, but I could be wrong. So, who knows? Um, <clears throat> I, think you're, I think you're, like, you're right. I think we've talked about this. Um... In, in some really nice detail where we talked about, um, like there's only so many uh, D chord riffs and, and three chord riffs that you can do. Um, and there are different sounds you can make and different filters and like you said, electronics, but yeah, um, it, it's hard to tell whether something new is gonna come along. And then to your point, like the more impactful thing happening earlier on, like, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like a biological evolution comparison. Like the, the moment, like the moment animals came onto the land, um, maybe was, I don't know, no, maybe, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but yeah, the, like, in, it seems like, like in music, onto the land, like it came on the land. Yes. They came, they came all over the land in buckets. Now I'm going to ditch that analogy. <laughs> And simply say that in music, yeah, the earlier stuff, um, or when rock and roll really exploded because it was so different, it was allowed to be more impactful. Like, the, we won't get another Led Zeppelin, like you said. Um, that's yeah, a, like, that's will there ever, like, will another song like Stairway ever happen again? Will Nirvana, anything like Nirvana ever happen again? Like, was, I feel like that was, I feel like Kurt Cobain and Nirvana was the last real, like, world-changing superstar, even though I'm not the biggest Nirvana fan, um, I can still appreciate what they did. Yeah. Um, we might have talked about this as well. Like, the monoculture, I think, has a, a part to, uh, something to do with that. Like, the fragmentation that we have of society where, like, we have the internet and we have Netflix and you can just dive deep into what you're into um, and yeah. kind of ignore the rest of the shit. Like, it's not like we have three TV channels and, and radio is our only source of getting stuff. And, and uh, I'm sure you know about how, like, the radio business used to go with where exec... I mean, it still goes like this with radio, where executives um, are tied into to radio stations and are able to give them new stuff. Um, this was huge in the 50s and 60s, you know? Like, the, the heyday, the golden age of, like, the disc jockey. Um yeah. So you kind of had that influence in that monoculture. Um, so that might be part of it, but also, yeah, the, there's less room for, for new new sounds because all the sounds have been explored. Who knows, man? 
Uh, we'll just have different Gangnam styles coming out. <laughs> Opa Gangnam style. Yeah, Oop. seriously. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that, I, I feel like that also speaks to the larger art world. Uh, at what point do we reach peak art in, in all forms, movies, painting, oh, interesting. digital media, music? At what point is, I mean, there's always going to be new stuff and new techniques, but at what point does that, does it kind of level off? You know what I right. mean? That's interesting. Eve and I were in Europe for um, about a week and a half, a little bit more than that, and um, it was awesome. But um, it was so much fun going to different art galleries and, and f learning about what she's into versus what I'm into. Um, like, I'm obsessed with, with Picasso, and um, she, she couldn't really give two shits. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, we both yeah. love Dali. Um, and then there was other Art Nouveau stuff like Alphonse Mucha and, and some other people that she liked more than me. Um, but anyway, it, it was interesting seeing our different tastes. Um, but yeah, peak art, because like you had the Dutch masters who like perfected um, like the still life and like just perfectly replicating what reality looked like with like the shadows, the shading. The contours. Right. It can't get any more real than real, you know what I mean? So yeah, and then they, right, back. and then there was hyper-realism, yeah. And then from there it got a little fucking weird, like there was Expressionism and, impre and then Impressionism, or I forget which one's which, and, um, you know, sur Cubism, Surrealism, and then shit, shit just got fucking weird. Dadaism, and then there's just Andy Warhol with a fucking series of bananas, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shit got weird, bro. Um, I feel like you're right. That's an interesting point you're making about peak art or, or just the, the progress of different art mediums because um, music kind of took a similar path. Like I see similarities between the shitty rap music or the kind of ironic rap music and like the, the electron, the very distorted electronic music um, similar to kind of that Dadaism and Andy Warhol and pop art and shit like that, you know? Yeah, people are just looking at it being like, well, oh, everything's been done, so I might as well fucking do some weird-ass shit. Mm. Um, so you, when you were talking about Umphreys in New York City, it reminded me of an Umphreys McGee concert that I went to in New York City at the Nokia Theater, which I believe is now called the Microsoft Theater. Um, and okay. it's a cool venue, and... Um, on the way in, I totally forgot to fucking put... I had like... I think I had three joints um, delightfully rolled by yours truly and I should have put them in my sock and I totally like an idiot I'm pretty sure I put them in my cigarette pack because I bought a, a pack of um, uh, American Spirits for the evening's uh, adventures for me and my friends I was with I, I believe I was with Matt Kushner and maybe a couple other fucking degenerates um, but it, they got taken from me because you get patted down at the door and they pat down your pockets oh. and they he made me open up my fucking cigarette um, pack and he was like, oh, I'm taking these. And um, and like a fucking like 20, 20 year old, 21 year old idiot. I was like, I was I was like, let me get those back. Like that's fucking important. Like as a as a person who smokes weed, like don't fuck with my goddamn weed. Um, yeah. and he was like, you can get it after the show. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. 
And I was like, from you? He was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm finding I'm, I was like, I'm finding you. And I pointed at him. I was like, I'm finding you after the show. I'm like, I'm holding you to this. So the whole show goes by. Great fucking show. I'm sober. It doesn't matter. Great, great band. So we're leaving. And of yep. course, I tracked down this big motherfucker. And I'm like, yo, where's my shit? And, and he was like, and he was like, oh, he has it. And he pointed up ahead to the other, this other guy. And I'm on a mission. I'm like, all right. And I walk up to this other guy. And I'm like, where's my shit? And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, my fucking four joints that, that your boy took for me. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, and I go back to walk back to him. And he was like, you can't go back in there. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> and they were blazing after the show. Ah, they got high because of me. <laughs> yeah, they got real high. They probably smoked two joints at once. They got super high. No, 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 no. The guy, that dude definitely saved a fucking couple for the next day. There's no way that motherfucker smoked them all that night. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that was my experience. Uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Well, unless you have anything to add about Humphreys McGee in New York City and what we were talking about. Um, I mean, speaking of Humphreys, I, I actually listen, they've been doing, um, they'll post a quick, like, live, Facebook Live thing of their shows for, like, five minutes and then cut it off and say you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But I listened to one the other day, and, dude, they are ridiculous. I am I am so jaded as a musician at this point just because I play a lot of different instruments and like I see a lot of people play some really obscure and like aggressive and technical shit. And every time I hear Umphreys live, they're just so good. They're, mm-hmm. they're just so good. It's unreal. I think they're the best band in the world if you're looking at like the, the best well-rounded band in the world has to be Umphreys. They play every genre. It's just not even, it's not even close. Yeah, they're pretty righteous. It's so funny people who can't hear it. Um... I may have talked about this with you last time way back when um, about how I think it's like different languages that I can hear. It's like speaking French, um, different kinds of music. Like it's not better or worse if, if they're decent musicians, you know, um, different genres yeah. of mu- like country versus hip hop versus progressive. Um, it's about what language you can speak. You know, it's like French and English and, and Afrikaans and some people can't understand one or the other. Um, right. so with Umphreys though, it really fucking astonishes me. Like I'm so, I, 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 I can understand how other people feel and put myself in other people's shoes, but I don't understand like the music thing, how they'll just not, how I'll explain like Umphreys McGee is different because they play different styles of music. Like no one plays metal and also reggae and also quote unquote like jam band and also like progressive rock, um, and also like jazz. Like nobody really plays all of those styles. And they'll be like, I've heard that millions of times. People say that all the time. Like, no, tons of bands do that. I'm like, they, you're dumb. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're just wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. People who don't like Humphreys are just wrong. It's just hilarious. Oh boy, it's so funny, dude. When I go to a show. An Umphreys show, especially at Red Rocks, where there's all the, the it's a music haven out here and a, a Wookiee haven. Yeah. Um, it's the only show I've seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't do that fucking noise unless I'm yawning. Oh, there you go. 
Um, the thing about the Humphrey show versus the other Red Rock shows I've been to, other Red Rock shows, there's casual fans, there's um, people who come um, like with their, their spouses or their significant other or their date. Um, there, there are people who are just there to enjoy a, a night and are just kind of fans of good music. Um, at an Unfree show, it's not that at all. It's people intently, right, staring at the stage. Like, I mean, around me at Red Rocks, yep. I, I heard a ton of people who were like, had only seen them once or people who had never, I actually did hear people who had never seen them and didn't really know what they were in for. Um, oh boy. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was dosing a little bit. I dosed, I tripped. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm just fucking dancing. And like, I know exactly what's coming. Cause I can hear really well, you know, cause of the state I'm in. Yeah. I can hear fucking, they're playing Higgins, right? And they're going off on this four minute fucking jam. And I hear it coming back and I'm just like, give it to me. <laughs> and they drop it. Oh, it was <laughs> yeah. magical. But um, but yeah, that's most of the crowd is like intent. They know every they know every band member's first and last name and like their backs. They know more than me, dude. They've seen more shows than me. That's like most Dumfries fans that go to shows now. Yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty intense. It's I mean, they're they're just their masters. Like you said before, how it's like speaking English or French, like different styles of music. When you're playing music with other people on stage, it is like a language, and you can say things to other members of the band, specific members, with different things that you play and the ways that you yep. play them. Yes. So, like, I can tell, I can tell Anthony, who I'll be playing bass and holding fingers up. I can tell him that at the next, at the end of, the, of this bar, we're going to change into something else without mm -hmm. saying anything. Just the way that I'm playing the note and yep. the intensity of how I'm playing it. And like and just the different ways, just like different inflections and words. Yes. And the tone of your voice and all that stuff. And you can, it, it's really cool how that works. And it just kind of happens. And then you can hear other people saying different things about where they're going to go and what they mm -hmm. want to do. Just a very cool thing. And Humphreys are masters of that. They have mastered it. Yes, they totally have. And I think there's levels to understanding that. Like there are moments in my musical listening experience where you go, whoa, how did they know how to change all at once? Or, or then, and then you go, wow, it really seems like they all changed all at once. And then you start listening, like for me, cause I'm not a, a musician, I just listen and listen. And like soon I'm like, okay, I understand. I like, I understand progressions, uh, chord progressions enough and tempo and cadence and volume. I understand all those things enough to like, yeah, after a while, like, my brain just starts understanding when, what Stasic is doing and what Kininger is doing, bass and guitar-wise, to, to make that magic happen. It's great. Yeah, well, full disclosure, they do all have talkback mics, so they can hit a pedal and then talk into the microphone and they all hear it. So, I, I mean, figured. that also helps them, uh, but, you know, it's all part of it. Yeah, I figured. Um, yeah, totally. Um... Yeah, and when you have when you have six or seven people in a band, you kind of have to be able to do that. I mean, I play with three people, um, bass, drums, and guitar, so it's much easier to do things because you're just a three-piece. You don't have to worry about two other people. But I I can't imagine having six, seven, eight people on stage with you and you're all doing stuff. Like, I've never really done that. I probably played with five people, um, like at a festival and members of other bands come up. But, I mean, like... When you're getting that high, especially when the musicians are so good, 
it's just crazy that it, it just gets exponentially crazier the more people you have. Yep. Yeah, that is, that is cool. Um, man, another memory. I remember in high school um, sitting in, well, every day in middle school, I'd get to listen to my buddy Mike, who's now the drummer in Savoy. I would get to listen to him practice, which I've mentioned on the pod. But um, I got to listen to him yep. jam with um, this. It wasn't a band that he had in high school. It was just like five guys that jammed, five or six guys. And um, yeah. I remember sitting there and my friend Keen, Keen Bott, um, played bass. Well, he played many instruments, um, but he played bass in this, in this ensemble because he was the best player. And he was, he was like directing traffic. Um, they, they, these were all good musicians, very good musicians in high school who could have just jammed and had fun. But like this dude was like directing traffic and um, barking out stuff to do. And it wasn't better or worse um, for their experience. It was just a different experience they were having and it was cool. And they ended up making much better music. Um, but yeah, I could imagine those, that, that communication needs to happen, um, in a live setting and you don't really want to be barking it into a mic. <laughs> yeah. It makes it easier when you can just flow into stuff without having to say it. Yes. Definitely. So, um, question for you. I'm going to change the subject. Deal. Um, growing up, um, in wherever the fuck you grew up in Pennsylvania, um, did, uh, did you have did you have a local video store rental store or did you go to Blockbuster or both or was it different at different times in your life? Oh man, back in the freaking video store days, there was a I, I think Blockbuster was the best. Blockbuster was the king of stores. They had the best <laughs> games. Okay. Um, they had the most games. Yeah. So, Blockbuster. There was Hollywood Video, which was like Blockbuster's lesbian sister. Uh, there was, uh, what else was there? I always thought it was like Hustler versus Playboy. What was that? I always thought of Hollywood video as like raunchier, like, like, uh, Hustler versus Playboy. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> a little more rough around the edges. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to think, I, I can't think of what the, there were a couple others, but I can't think of what they were, like the, the chains. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, we never, so I didn't discover Blockbuster until later in my childhood. It was the next town over, but, um, we had a favorite, like our local place was an independent movie place, video place. Um, but now I want to ask you when you would go to Blockbuster or if you had to slum it and go to Hollywood, um, did you go with your whole family? Do you remember going with friends? Um, what was that purchase? What was that rental experience like, Lee? I mean, my, my parents used to take me, but I remember when I first got my license and I, the first time I could go to Blockbuster by myself, I was like, fuck yeah. I'm getting whatever I want. Yeah. I get like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. And then there was that secret section in the back with all the pornos in it. <laughs> just an adult only. Oh, dude, you I never... You watch and wait for someone to walk out of there that you know. Yeah, I never... I mean, I wish I could venture back there, bro. I wish that was never a thing that was going to happen. I was, I was too scared. I was a scared. Yeah, it was scary. You remember when you were a kid and adults would tell you stuff and you would just think that, like, okay, I guess that's the rules. Like, this dude just told me this thing, like, I guess that's the rules. Like, he says you're not supposed to go in that room. Like, that's the rules. 
Uh-huh. If I don't have to go there, I'll get in trouble. And that's it. And then, that was at the end of your thought process. Like, I'll get in trouble, so I'm not going to go in there. I was like you, man. I was a rule follower. As weird as that sounds nowadays, because I don't like rules, um, if there's no reason for them, but... I was a rule follower back then, and I didn't. I treated myself like an adult. I thought there were consequences. I didn't know that you could just yeah. do shit and get away with it, right? Yeah, everything just made up in society. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, okay, so this is a memory I, I've had for like the first time forever, probably since it happened. But when I was a kid, um, we had VIP Video. That was the local rental store on Main Street in Armonk, uh, the upper middle class white suburb suburban nice neighborhood video store um and i remember this movie called heavy metal and i think it was like a cartoon oh yeah dude i never saw it but the cover for those who don't know what heavy metal is um it has like this woman straddling this like flying mythical beast like a griffin or something and she is like She's bosomy, and she um, is like clad in like leather or whatever, and she's got this wild, crazy hair, and like it's a cartoon. It's drawn on the cover of this VHS that I remember from like I don't know, ten, twelve years old. I remember looking at this and being like, "This is like fucking porn. Like this is insane. I couldn't believe what I was looking yeah, at." I wanted to. I my genitals felt funny. You know, I fucking, I didn't, I think I, like, I knew, like, this was wrong. Like, I knew, like, I shouldn't be looking at this. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> but it was hot. Yeah, well, there was a great, there's there a great South Park episode that was based on that movie, uh, where they're all snorting cat urine because it gets <laughs> you high because the pheromones in it. When, like, a male cat gets pissed off or sees another male cat, it squirts this really concentrated kiss out of its, you know, it just it out of it and if you inhale it you get you trip balls and every time they trip they went into the heavy metal world and it was just it was really crazy it's a great episode that's fucking hilarious um have you ever yep. seen the movie um i've never seen it in full but i've seen many clips of it i feel like i gotta watch i've never seen a single clip but this is like as i get older i'm, I'm becoming obsessed with memories um, you know, for the first time in my life, I can, I have a 20 year old memory cause it's the first time that I've had 20 years worth of fucking life, um, or 30 years. Obviously. Yeah, um, and so I'm obsessed with these memories and like, I love meditating and just thinking about like a random day in high school, like what was a normal day like? And then you just start thinking of all these thoughts come to you. But, um, I was talking, we, me and Eva, um, it was our one year anniversary and we watched this cool movie that she loves, that she owns on VHS, because she's fucking old school. Um, not in a hipster, in, a, in an un... She's, a, she's like a real hipster. Um, but I, I had these memories of the video store, and that was one of them. It's just funny how that's a strong memory of a movie I've never fucking seen a second of. Yeah, it's weird how when you think about things you haven't thought about in a while, just these random memories come back that you... How is it still stored in your brain? It's crazy. There's actually, um, when you think about things and create thoughts, there's these little, like, sandcastle-like structures that are created uh, in your brain, and, like, scientists are just now looking at those for the first time, which is insane. What the fuck are you talking about, sandcastles? Yeah, just, like, 
the way that, that thoughts are created, the brain creates these tiny little, I don't know if they're made, I don't know what they're made out of, but it's just like these little three-dimensional structures that are just like the, just like your brain's chemicals of making, however it makes thoughts, however you produce thoughts, right. it, it creates these little like, and then, like they, they come and then they like fall apart and like turn into new ones, like as you're thinking, like a three-dimensional thought map that's being created in real time. Right. That's pretty interesting. Have you ever have you seen the movie Arrival? Oh yes, I have. Um, yeah, I recently watched that on my flight back from Europe um, last month, and that was a delight, sir. Boy, oh boy. Oh man. I did not expect that, and it blew my mind. It was insane. I'm glad you thought so, because it blew my mind. I thought it was the, one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. I thought it was, for some yeah. reason, I, I compared it to Inception immediately, and I was like, that was so much better than Inception. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, just the idea of it is, is, is so unique, but so plausible. I mean, what are the chances that we communicate with any super advanced civilization that would come here it's, it's just portrayed it perfectly. Um, it, it's a it's a fucking magical movie. I'm sorry to get off on this tangent about Arrival, but I gotta spew my thoughts about it. Um, oh, I totally agree. There's this part where Jeremy Renner talks about, or maybe it's uh, what's her name that talks about this theory about um, the the language you use um, change it can change the way can change like your reality and change the the way you look at the world and. Um, literally just change like your your reality around you based on how you structure your language um oh yeah and that was a crux of the whole movie obviously based on like her need to translate their language into hers um but that's what alan watts says about the chinese language like um uh traditional chinese how they the way that their language is structured changes the way they look at the world where apparently they don't have nouns like we do. Um, they kind of have events and verbs. So like you wouldn't say like Lee has a stick that he puts in the stream. You would have this conception of streaming, streaming water and this event this happening of Lee putting this this kind of stickingness into the like it's a, a different way of kind of writing but apparently it makes much, it makes Buddhist thought much easier because they don't have subject and objects like we do they only have subjects so that's crazy that was a cool point yeah I loved that point of the movie um, I'm going to give a spoiler alert. I suppose you're going to learn about Arrival if you're if you're one of the three people listening. But um, I love how later in the movie, the Chinese guy who um, talked to what's her name is it is it Amy Adams, Rachel McAdams? I don't remember this chick's name. Um, I think it's Reese Witherspoon. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, Amy Adams, I think. Okay. Um, when the Chinese guy's like, uh, I don't want to talk about the movie. It's, it, go see the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely go see yeah. the movie. Um, anywho, uh, did you, do you have a preferred movie? Um, so I remember the candy items that my mom and sister enjoyed 
taking home for the rental movie. So my mom enjoyed, I think they're called snow caps. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love how you know this. So snow. I was like, I prefer junior mint. Ah! <laughs> I'm a junior mint motherfucker. You know that. Um, Oh, man. Dude, I'm all about little fucking nugget-sized things I can cram in my stupid hole. Like, Milk Duds, Junior Mints, Raisinets, like, that's my wheelhouse, you know? Yeah, you're not even hungry. You're just, like, you're just releasing pleasure chemicals in your brain. Just gas. Yes, I'm I'm shoving love into my mouth. Yes. Yeah, basically. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. You'll listen to me. You'll never leave me because I'm shoving you in my mouth. Psychology is quite simple when you really when you really understand it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my mom liked snow caps, which are these. I think they're mil- they're probably dark chocolate. My mom was a dark chocolate fiend, so I'm guessing they were dark chocolate. Um, and they had the white sprinkles on top. Those little stupid round sprinkles that almost they're like little pieces of fucking gravel that are pointless. The snow, the snow on the cap. That would be the proverbial snow on the cap. Um, yep. So did you have, did, do you remember anything like this from your family during your video experience, uh, rental experiences? Uh, my, my memory is pretty blurred from that era. Uh, maybe because I was fat, my brain just tried to block it out. <laughs> so I don't know. But uh, I, just, I just loved video games when I was growing up. So I was always trying to go there, get my parents to take me there to see what they had. And then I remember right before uh, all the videos started to close and they started getting consoles and you could rent consoles for the night, which was which blew my mind. But uh, everything's so mobile now that I feel like it's all just going to be on my phone. Oh yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I was a huge fan of the video game rental. Um, did you have a favorite? I had, I had video games I'd rent like seven or eight times in a row and never buy. Oh, yeah. There's no point in buying it if you get to go and rent them. It's like Redbox. It's great. Yeah, there was this um, DuckTales video game. I don't remember what console it was on, though. Probably Super Ooh, Nintendo. I'm going to say Super Nintendo. Yeah? Yeah, do you remember when you got your first video game console? We actually talked about this, too, before. Yeah, well, I have two older brothers, so they were the ones that got them when I was little, but the first one that I think I got to myself, I was real sick, and I was in bed, and just felt like shit, I had been sick for like four or five days, or something crazy like that, and my parents brought home the original PlayStation, and my brain just exploded, and I fucking went through puberty immediately, and just grew a beard, and that was, that was one of the greatest days ever. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds pretty incredible. I remember, I remember you telling me this story before. Um, so, that's all I had about video games. <laughs> Next subject. That's pretty much all I have in general. I don't know. What else do you have? pretty warm out. It's supposed to be like almost a winter, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is some, that is some, that is some great insight. They do say it's going to be a warm winter, not going to lie. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was like it was like seventy seventy degrees yesterday here, mm-hmm. which is absurd. But the end of November. Yeah, it was eighty one here as well. Pretty soon we're gonna be having Thanksgiving barbecues. It's gonna be great outside. I was gonna say, do you have a favorite Thanksgiving side? Favorite Thanksgiving side? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I do love dipping uh, turkey in mashed potatoes. It's always nice. I love sweet potatoes. I will fucking eat 10 sweet potatoes a day. I love sweet potatoes. Now, for Thanksgiving... Question. What did you say? Question. Um, Yeah. For Thanksgiving, do you go sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top, or do you just go straight sweet potatoes? I'm not big on the marshmallows on top. I know there's a lot of people who are. I'm also kind of a health nut, so... Maybe my brain just doesn't like them because it knows what they are. Uh, but I never really, I never really did the marshmallows on top. I don't really like melted marshmallow that much. Uh, in the same way that I'm not huge on melted cheese, but I do love pizza. But that's really the only thing I like melted cheese on. Mm-hmm. Uh, call me crazy. I don't like mac and cheese. I never was a mac and cheese guy. Uh, but I did do grilled cheese, so I kind of, kind of a hypocrite child. But I don't know. But uh. Okay, so regarding... Yeah, Thanksgiving, definitely... Right. Yeah, definitely a mashed, mashed potato, sweet potato combo. Either one of those is nice for me. Okay, so how do you look at the marshmallows, and how does your brain say, I'm not going to eat that, because that's not good for me. Can you help me with that? <laughs> it, it's so ingrained in my brain now. I've been doing it for so long. Um, probably about 10 years. Maybe like 9 years. Um... But uh, I kind of train my brain to just whenever I see cookies or muffins or any of that stuff, I just think of it as like wax, just like a wax. That's not what kind of what it is. So I don't, my brain doesn't connect that to like the taste. I've kind of disconnected those ideas in my mind. So I just look at it as an inanimate object, like a rock or a, or a chair or just like a wax donut. You know, wax fruit sitting on a table. Like, I'm not going to try to eat that fruit no matter how hungry I am. It's wax. So, yeah. That's a really good, that's a really good strategy. I, I just... Yeah, I've never, I've never really, I've never really uh, explained that out loud to myself or anyone else. I've just kind of done it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all, that's, that's all fucking disconnected up there. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you were uh, reconnecting with family recently. How's that going? Stressful? Oh yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's good. I uh, I had a random like hour long uh, existential conversation with my mom on the phone, just about life and living in this strange society and the meaning of life and just the fakeness of everything. Uh, which was very strange. I don't really have that kind of relationship with my parents. Much mm-hmm. more formal. Like, I am the son. You are the parent. Thank you for raising me. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I've, I've always felt a little a little distant from my family just because I feel like I'm so fucking weird compared to everyone else in my family. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just, I never really felt like, well, I guess I did at one point feel like a part of it, but at some point I just started feeling like an alien. Uh, in my own body, hmm. I'm just like where, like where, where 
are we? Where is this planet? When are we? What's happening? Uh, you know, all that stuff kind of creeps in towards like your mid-20s. Mm. Uh, so as soon as that started happening, I kind of distanced myself from everyone because I didn't want other people to change the way I was experiencing uh, the experience of being conscious in this reality. Yeah. Which is kind of a weird thing. Um, do your parents um, go to temple, or are they religious at all? And were you was that a thing like in your childhood? I mean, I, I literally just went to my uh, my second oldest niece's bat mitzvah like a month ago, which was great. It was a great time. Um, you know, yeah, like partied and stuff, did photo booths as partying Jews do. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was cool seeing everybody. I mean, my parents aren't really religious. My mom does a lot of this stuff just because it gets the family together. Mm-hmm. Um, she told me one time, she was like, I don't even know if I believe in God, but, you know, we've been doing the same stuff for like 5,000, 6,000 years, so might as well keep it going. And I was like, oh, that's um, kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't really say that. But, uh, but yeah, my, my dad has no part in it. My mom just does that for the family aspect. So I feel like all the, the forward-thinking people I know are all kind of moving towards agnosticism. Yeah. In that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I find that... I mean, religion just fascinates me in general, but um, Eva's family is, is mostly Jewish, and I love learning about how their family has like they grew up mostly kind of secular intellectual um Jewish folks um who were descendants of people who fled the Holocaust but throughout their adult lives they became more kind of spiritual but not really spiritual just more inclined to the religious like um traditions and it seems like they appreciate the role it's played in their family's history and like the anthropology that's kind of shaped them. But that none of them are really religious. Like they're all kind of agnostic and atheist, but they, they approach it kind of intellectually and, and, um, with reverence. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. My mom likes to say that she's a cultural Jew. Mm-hmm. So she takes all the cool things from the culture and the songs and, uh, you know, the, the traditions in that kind of way. As mm-hmm. opposed to the really religious following the Torah and all that kind of culture. But. That's cool. Hopefully, it'd be nice to see more of society like that move that move in that direction. Yeah, I don't know if people are ready, but <laughs> I mean, in in thirty years, when our parents' generation is all gone, and it's all us and the new, the people being born from like years so thirty years from now, mm-hmm. and there's two other people who are 30 years old like us right now, but it's been 30 years and they're doing a podcast on some alien radio station. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how, how different will the world be? At, will it be more productive or is it going to be just like the last election where everybody thought Hillary was going to win, but the, the innards of the United States, uh, you know, <laughs> the in between innards. the coasts all, all voted for Trump because mm-hmm. their voice wasn't being heard in the media. It was all just the coast. Yeah, totally. Um, going back to that religions thing, it made me think of um, why I loved going to college. Um, it got to introduce me to different religions, and I haven't had this thought or memory since it happened. 
but I got in like an hour long conversation at the HUD or hub building rather um, at Penn State with um, he was a conservative Jewish person. I don't think he was a Hasidic Jew, but he had the whole the whole garb. He had the payas and and um, you know the fun hat and all of that. But um, we we talked for like an hour. And I was just asking, I remember asking him, like, why do you, what makes you believe that what you're reading is the ultimate truth that we should be following? Like, not eating pork. And he immediately would said, like, this is, these are the words of God. Like, like the, or the person who created, the, not the person, but the end, the whatever you call it, that created all of us. Um spoke these things and I was like well what do you like all this language is ridiculous obviously but um I said like well you know God didn't write it or speak it like a person had to and he was like yeah yeah, but God spoke through them you know which is what every freaking religious person says and and I was like yes but they needed to use a language to speak that because uh, I don't think God speaks Hebrew, right? Like when he's when he's up in his head with his thoughts or whatever, you know, whatever God is. Like yeah. they don't. That that's not the, its native tongue. It had to channel this message, and you have to use the vocabulary and kind of the word. Going back to that or the movie Arrival in language, like you have to use the language that's available to you, and. And, and, of course, I don't believe that it was God's words anyway, but maybe, you know, somebody could be divinely inspired or, you know, have um, universal consciousness and, and speak these words, but still, it's going through a language filter. Um, so I just remember having this long conversation with him and realizing that this is, like, a good, peaceful person. I can, I'm presuming that he doesn't have heads in his refrigerator, but... Um, I'm presuming that he's a, he's a good, nice, he seems like a really nice person, welcoming to my, my questions and inviting to my alternative point of view. Um, but at the end of the day, he's like so much, so similar to my family's Christianity or my friend Shafni's uh, Islam or, or anybody else's religion. It was really interesting to see how similar it was where he was like, no, 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 this is the word of God. <laughs> that was cute. Uh, yeah. Like really, dude. Oh. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to me to see really, really religious people, like really devout Christians, who are just their entire life, their entire life, and all of their days are devoted to just like serving this deity. So it, it's just crazy that mindset. It's, I, I wouldn't even be able to begin to understand what it's like to live in that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to explain to somebody like. Um some of the Buddhist communities in the U S and how just Buddhist communities are traditionally structured where, um, yeah, like you have these monks who have to essentially beg for their food every day. And, um, they've given up like everything Uh, in some of these communities. He's like super ascetic, um, monk monasteries. And, um, in the U S they can't drive, um, the monks can't drive, so like every day, like a different member of the the community of, of the of the the lay community, like the church, essentially has to like drive them around. Um, it's just pretty funny. Like, uh, yeah, just the the way that it's kind of structured. 
seems pretty arbitrary. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a weird thing where, like, the, the monk um, has, ch- like, they're kind of taking one for the team. They're taking a bullet for the whole community and being the ones to... Um, to give thanks and like to kind of meditate and contemplate on behalf of everyone else. I just I just mean the the no driving part seems arbitrary. Like, hey, you are not allowed to sit in a seat and press a pedal and steer wheels. That's, that's not allowed. Yeah, it's to free them up to meditate if they want. Because <laughs> they were like, that's what's pretty cool. Like, because it makes sense to me as a person who meditates. Like, I'm. I can't not think about my regular tasks that I have to get done that day. And I can't not think about my job and my family, you know, like normal life always creeps into my thought. I can't, I can't be completely just at peace. Um, and so their, their con their, their idea is like, your job is to meditate and like 24 <laughs> seven. So yeah, it's, um, it's very, so like literally when I was reading about this, about Buddhists in Chicago, they were like, yeah, they're not allowed to drive because they might have the urge to meditate. And like, if they start meditating while they're driving, that could be like really bad and unsafe. (laughs) I'm like, that's hilarious. Fucking no self-control. These stupid monks. Yeah, seriously. Meditators are not allowed. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you ever heard of um, Kundalini yoga, but uh, they say like the masters of that can get to psychedelic states just by just through like the meditation of it, mm-hmm. and they can like trip as hard as like um, as, like smoking a bond of DMT. Well, that'd be nice. Um, that'd be really nice. <laughs> yeah, a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper. I mean, a lot more man hours. You can you can say, kind of lazy, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I'm, like, way too much of a human being to, like... I'm way too tethered to my earthly um, desires, <laughs> you could say. But, yeah, maybe yeah, one that day. Yeah, that's super annoying sometimes. Oh, so annoying. Yeah. Mm. Can't I just be free? <laughs> <laughs> well, Lee, might be it for memory lane, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's been a crazy life so far. Mm. Um, we might have to, we might have to shoulder pause the conversation. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, solid hour on the comeback. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh man. So there's two. Like, if I don't work out for a week, um, and I go back into the gym, I can do like. Eva does the slow ramp up if she hasn't worked out in a couple weeks where you do uh, kind of an easier way into the, the workout routine. But I go the other way where yeah, I, I sometimes I just, yeah, I just, I murder myself and I hate myself and I feel like shit, yeah. but I haven't been able to do that recently. I'm going to have to get some more on it. Um, T plus the, the pre-workout. It's good stuff, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Beta alanine. That's where it's at. Oh yeah. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Make you tingle. The tingle, that's right, the tingle, yeah. So it's beta alanine and then a bunch of, you know, those Indian and Chinese medicinal herbs that they like to add in there. So it's nice, nice stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, took too much, I took too much beta alanine one time and it felt like my skin was hardening into stone and it was terrible for like two and a half hours. <laughs> like that Fantastic Four guy, right? 
Yeah, that's, I felt like my skin was turning into that. It was like tingling so hard and so intensely. I felt like I was getting hot and my skin was just hardening on my body, especially my face. Like, oh, no. <laughs> um, that reminds me of when both of us were t- <laughs> we learned that B12 was good for you so we just bought like liquid B12 and was just like juicing on it for a couple weeks <laughs> oh yeah I remember that it was doing like real weird shit to me <laughs> yeah you could fucking get boners <laughs> I'll say yeah, it yeah it was fucking so weird not, too, not afraid to say it I feel like my blood is really thin. <laughs> That's what they say? Oh, boy. That's too funny. Um, yeah, good time. It's crazy to think how fucking stupid we were 10 years ago. And in 10 years from now, we'll probably look back and after that now and be like, wow, what a bunch of idiots. That's right. When our, when our, yeah. When our podcast is in 24 countries and on the moon. Um, It'll be very necessary at that point. Yeah. um, I definitely got to get a good workout in tomorrow, so um, looking forward to that. Yeah. Hey, if you you have any workout ideas, uh, let me know, because in a couple weeks for Cultivating Purpose, I'm launching uh, the feed. uh, There's Feed Your Purpose, but then there's also, yeah, the the exercise one. Um, If you have any tips exercises you particularly like, let me know. Yeah, all right. All right. Um, maybe next week we'll, we'll get on here again? Yeah, sounds good to me. Well, that's beautiful. Um, I don't have any outro um, music because I'm not connected to the internet right now. So I'm just going to have to make smooching noises. Does that sound good? I can do the Doug theme song. Yeah, do that one. <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if that I don't know if the mic picked, picked that up. up. I don't know if the mic picked that up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, we'll talk next week, yeah. All right, sounds good. All right. Well, this is uh, AJ and Lee and this has been the Unnecessary Podcast. Talk to you next week. <laughs> There it is.